season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. I will be your host today. Thanks again for tuning in. That's greatly appreciated. If you haven't already, please punch that subscribe button. That would also be greatly appreciated. No Eric Warner with us today, but I do have a very special guest, Zach Berman, Eagles beat writer for The Athletic. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So why don't we just jump right into it? Um, of course, big news um, this week out of Philadelphia Eagle and the Philadelphia Eagles and Doug Pearson have, it sounds like more of a mutual parting of ways. He will not be back as head coach of the Eagles next year. Um, Zach, why don't you kind of tee it up for the listeners a little bit here? Because it seemed like a week ago his job was safe. Teams usually don't send the head coach that they're going to fire out to a press conference right after the season. So why don't you kind of tell the listeners what happened um, in the last week from when he had his press conference with Howie Roseman to the decision to fire him? Sure. Well, he had that press conference, and I, I think that there was a belief at the time that he was going to be back, probably from both sides. But the reality is he he had not yet met with Jeffrey Lurie in earnest in their after-the-season meeting. And uh, clearly there was, as, as Lurie described it, a difference of, of, of vision there. And whether it came down to the coaching staff, whether it came down to the direction of the team, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit of everything in there. Uh, the way Jeffrey Lurie described it was was that he viewed this as a, as a rebuilding. He uh, he meaning a Lurie management that this team needed to take a step back and, and rebuild. And 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 Peterson wanted to maximize twenty twenty one. Things are seldom that simplistic. Uh, a lot of it probably has has to do with with what goes into it, right? Um, if 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 it was such that uh, Doug Peterson wanted to maintain a degree of continuity with the staff. Obviously they were getting a new defensive coordinator, but promoting from within there, promoting from within for the offensive coordinator job, uh, trust his guys, trust his systems. Then, then, uh, and it, that is understandable if you're looking at a Super Bowl winning head coach who, who believes in what he does, who might look at four eleven and one as an outlier and, and believes they can get back with what they've already have in place. Uh, you can also understand management saying that this was a bad team this year and then they need some fresh ideas and they can't run it back with the same group. And frankly, at, after five years, some things uh, run its course, whether it's, it's, it's relationships, whether it's the way of doing something. So I can understand it. Frankly, toward the end of the year, I, I figured there was, I, I thought there was going to be a change um, when it seemed that Peterson was, was coming back. I understood that the body of work was, was uh, present. And, and that you can make that argument. But uh, given where this team is going, uh, it could frankly be beneficial to Peterson to uh, if, if he can latch on somewhere else. It's crazy to think how far this team has fallen. Just three years ago winning the Super Bowl seemed like all was nice and dandy and uh, internally with the coaching staff and, and the front office and 
It's all falling apart here. Before we kind of get into the Howie Roseman aspect of this, I want to talk about Jeff Fuller's press conference um, that took place, I believe, on Monday. Um, what was your kind of big takeaway from um, his press conference? My big takeaway uh, in in terms of how uh, how this all went down was his honesty about this team needing a rebuild, right? Yeah, I, I understand that a lot of fans listening, their big takeaway was about Howie Roseman, and I imagine we'll get to that. But uh, you very rarely hear an owner say, you know, the, the, the next season is not what we're trying to maximize. Um, that, that was a, a, a fairly interesting ad, ad, admission from Lurie uh, because sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it's veiled when they say that. You very rarely hear an owner, it, uh, when he's talking to the media, which is essentially talking to the fan base, say, like, like we're looking at 2022 and 2023 as opposed to 2021. Uh, so I – uh, that was my biggest takeaway because I, I thought that was uh, candor that, that you don't often hear. Yeah, um, usually the the tone or just the moves that this team has made, I guess, in the past three years and kind of say that they're looking to kind of re recap what happened in 2017. And I believe Laurie, I could be mistaken, didn't he say we're going to try to get the band back together or we were trying to get the band back together, something along those lines. He did bring that up. So that's kind of the way this team has – Kind of gone about things the past two three years so maybe it was a little refreshing to hear jeffrey Lurie say that we are we are ready for a rebuild and we need to kind of get away from these older the older roster uh the older roster well, that we currently uh, have yeah so I'll, I'll 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 jump in there actually howie roseman said i believe it was the february after the super bowl said we we can't just bring the band back together and expect the same results uh i believe that was his his sentiment at the combine that year Yet the actions uh, were the exact opposite, and, yeah. and 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 frankly, when you look at what they've done the past three years and what they've said the past three years, uh, there's there's been a difference in uh, in explanation and in ex and in getting younger and getting unemotional, and uh, and 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 then you know they they resign Alshon Jeffrey, they acquire. Deshaun Jackson at his 30s, in his 30s, they uh, they uh, bring Jason Peters back this year, bring Vinny Curry back this year. I I, I know those are both low cost deals, but uh, relative to to what the explanation is, and and so I I think based on their actions now, uh, they probably realize that a, a a reset is 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 required. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy because the talking points it almost seems like. The past three years have been, we need to get younger, we need to get younger, and we need to push away from 2017 team, and they just haven't done that, exactly what you said. It seems like they're going against their words, so I don't really know how fans um, and anyone that's uh, following this team can kind of believe what they're saying. So let's get into the Howie Roseman aspect of this. Um, look, Howie Roseman's getting tons of heat from fans, um, mm -hmm. rightfully so in my opinion as well. He, he, I don't believe he's done a great job the past three years. Um, I am part of that of that posse that that is that wants to change in the front office. Um, in your in your eyes and in your opinion, just maybe looking around the league at what other GMs have done and and how other league, uh, teams have drafted, does he deserve as much heat as he is getting? Yeah. So yes, in a in a quick word, yes. Now it's 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 nuanced, but but the reason I say yes is 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 this: he he got a lot of credit. And it was deserved for building that Super Bowl roster, right? 
And so what's happened in, in the 2016 and 2017 off seasons and seasons, he did an outstanding job building those teams. Like that's, I, I can say that with, with like objective, a degree of authority here that when you look at, at the sum of his transactions of his strategies during that period, uh, he did an outstanding job. 100% um, agree. Like it's, yeah. it's hard to build a Super Bowl team, right? Like, yeah. And, and, and now there was a lot in place already. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but then there were moves, whether it, it was Brandon Brooks, Rodney McLeod and free agency, mm-hmm. uh, Al, Alshon Jeffrey and free agency, Nick Foles and free agency. Like, like, like there were uh, a series of, of moves that he made that, that built that helped build that Super Bowl team 100%. In, the, in, in the three years since he has not done an outstanding job and he's made some poor and some ill-advised decisions. And, uh, and so if he's going to get credit for the Super Bowl, then naturally he, he, he deserves a part of the culpability for what's happened since that's, that's the reality of the job. Now I understand that the strategy was different then, right? So they, they were trying to capitalize on a Super Bowl window and, uh, and, I don't think the strategy was the issue, though. I think the execution was the issue. And I think that's that's the disconnect between what my opinion is and maybe what the team is saying. Um, you can try to extend that Super Bowl window without acquiring a, a what, he was 32 years old at the time, Deshaun Jackson, uh, who has an injury history. Then you can't be surprised when he only plays eight games for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you gave Alshon Jeffrey – a contract extension. I understand that you're trying to open up cap space, perhaps to make a trade for someone like Jalen Ramsey, but that didn't happen. And then you have Alshon Jeffrey guaranteed on your payroll for the next season. And Mm -hmm. you saw what happened this year. Um, uh, We can go down the list with some other moves that they made. And, uh, and then also you can look into draft, right? Uh, I it's, it's, it's sometimes selective, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, well, you took, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf, therefore you're a bad drafter. The reality is Seattle passed on D.K. Metcalf twice. All mm-hmm. 32 teams, I believe, passed on D.K. Metcalf. He was late in the second round. So you can't just cherry-pick picks because you can do that with every single team in the NFL. What you mm-hmm. need to do, though, is, is you've got to look at the overall body of work. And when you look at J.J. over Metcalf coupled with, uh, with Rager over – uh, Justin Jefferson, and and you can look at a, at a few other decisions there in, in in the draft. That's 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 tough, right? And and then you know Andre Dillard was was a big time pick, and I'm I'm not saying that's 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 finished yet, but he's gonna be 25 years old in his third year, and you still don't know what you have. Uh, and so there are always different types of things that go into this. What was DK Metcalf's medical grade? What you know in in the Rager pick was that the coach is pushing it because of the scheme. These are all things that you hear. The bottom line is Howie Roseman has final say. And, and, and so whatever went into it, he's the one who's responsible. He has his finger on, on the button. And just as he's held responsible for building the Super Bowl team, uh, he should also be held responsible for what comes out thereafter. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean he should necessarily lose his job, right? Uh, because yep. he might be the best person going forward or, or a good person going forward in terms of rebuilding this. Uh, but if you're looking for who bears responsibility, Howie Roseman certainly bears responsibility for what's going on. Yeah, um, I, I I think the best way to look at his 
his tenure the past few years is just what he's trying to do at the wide receiver position. Like you brought up the Deshaun Jackson trading for him and re-signing him. Like you had John Brown on the free agent market that time. Look at what the Bills, they take him. It's been a home run swing for them. Re-signing Alshon Jeffrey had just not worked out. And then drafting DK Metcalf over JJ Thig Whiteside and Jefferson over Rager, even though personally I liked Rager over Jefferson, so I can't really harp on him that much. But um yeah, I, I think I think it's it's well it's well said. He he deserves some criticism in the past few years. Should that should he have lost his job over that? I believe so. But again, he is really good at the salary cap. And I know he put this team in the position that they are in. So it's hard, it's hard to say like, oh, he's the right guy for the job considering that he put them in this cap situation. But he is, I I think there is something to say that he might be one of the best um, kind of fixing the salary cap and getting them out of a hole. He did it in 2016 um, after Chip Kelly. So maybe, maybe we Eagles fans should give him the benefit of the doubt going forward and see if he can, maybe if he can fix his reputation. Well, I, I, I actually, I, I don't know if, if he's done as well with salary cap management as, as maybe the perception is. Uh, now, some of that was, was because of, of the mode they were in, of obviously trying to, trying to capitalize on, on that Super Bowl window. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they have a, a lot of deals with deferred money and, or, or, you know, in, in, in terms of cap dollars that, uh, they're going to pay the price on. Now, it's it's not hard getting out of a tough cap situation. You can do it in a year. They can suck it up this year and op- and have space in, in 2022. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. Uh, when you look at the way Jeffrey Lurie evaluates Howie Roseman, it's different than, I, I think, how the fan base views it. And what I mean by that is Jeffrey Lurie doesn't look at it from purely a decision-making perspective. Jeffrey Lurie looks at it from a, a front office strategy perspective. Uh who are you bringing in? The different departments that you have. Um, how you know? How innovative are you being? How 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 creative are you being? Uh, uh, you know, what emphasis are you putting on sports science and data science? And and you can go on down the list. Um, so I think that maybe from the outside looking in, sometimes it's 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 binary. You 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 took. Uh, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, and the reality is, all those other things are meant to give you more wins than losses, and they ha- and they lo- and they only won four games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's important though to understand when you're looking at who has a job and who doesn't, the way Jeffrey Lurie evaluates Howie Roseman's job. I, I think the funniest part of the press conference was he says we have five guys that are going to be future GMs in the in in our building. It's like why don't you just hire one of them then? Like <laughs> if you have five future ones, bring in one of them and help Howie out. I don't know. I just I find it, I find the whole kind of the process of the Lurie and how we um, Lurie and how we partnership to be be toxic and it, and it's clearly in my opinion it just hasn't worked out since Andy Reid left. Um, let's kind of go to what these two are in charge of right now is bringing in a new head coach. I don't know if Eagles fans should be confident in that they're going to find the best candidate, but um, there are some there are some intriguing candidates out there. Um, I am not the biggest fan of this of this uh, of this offseason's coaching candidates. I, I think it's it's week or two years past. Um, what who is an intriguing candidate for you, and maybe like who's a candidate that Eagles fans should keep an eye out? Like, what do you think is going to happen in the next week and a half? So I I don't mean to speak kind of uh, philosophically here because I, I I understand you're looking for a specific person, but I, I'm going to get on a soapbox just for a, a quick moment, and uh, it's it's because you 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 often hear media members say they should hire person X or they should hire person Y, and the reality is I feel strongly that you don't hire a scheme, you don't hire someone because of their resume. You don't hire I'm someone because this is who they worked for, this is who they worked with. You have to hire a person. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's emphasized enough from like the from the people in the position I'm in. 
where, you know, un unless you know somebody, un unless you know people who've worked with them, who've, who've talked about them, uh, you know, what you're hiring is leadership ability. You're hiring vision. You're, you're, you're hiring how well do you manage a staff? How well do you work with different people in, in your front office? Uh, on your, you, know, you know, how do you deal with players? How do you motivate players? Um, those are all huge parts of coaching responsibilities that go beyond the scheme component of it. So I could say, like, I'm really impressed watching Arthur Smith's offense, or I'm really impressed watching Brian Dabble's offense, uh, or uh, Dable's offense, and and uh, you know, I'm really impressed watching Lincoln Riley's offense, uh, and and that's all true. And and being around Todd Bowles for a bit in 2012, uh, you know, I, I'm in, I, I was impressed with him, and I I, I really like the people that he's that he's worked with, the different systems that he's that 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 he's worked under. But until you are there in the interview, hearing what their vision is, um, understanding how they interact, then it's it's hard to say this is who they should go for. Now, uh, so that's that's me kind of avoiding the question a bit, saying they should hire this person, that person. I'll tell you the profile that I think they're going to hire. I think they're going to hire either a college coach or they're going to hire maybe a position coach who's who's not like the hot coordinator, but they've identified as 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 like an up and coming program builder. Um, that's, that's the, the profile that I think they're, they're going to hire. I don't think this is necessarily going to be the top offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator on, on like, if, if, if you Google top coaching candidates, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be that person. It, it very well might, but I, I think they're going to be very intrigued by the college ranks. And I think they're going to be in, in, intrigued by, by, kind of middle ground um, assistant coaches or, or mid-level assistant coaches. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so happy you brought up the the first part that you said of of what they should be looking for in a head coach. Like, yeah, Brian Dable and Arthur Smith's offense is all fine and dandy, but we don't know what they're like as a person. Are they are they a leader of men? Are they <laughs> able to uh, are they able to relate with players? Like that's the one thing that gets lost in head coaches. A lot of people just like to hire for scheme. But that's what they did with Chip Kelly, it looks like, right? They liked the scheme and they liked his offensive mind. But in the end, it didn't work out. He wasn't able to relate with his players. Um, and it, it looks like Eagles or Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have kind of gone after the the offensive trend or the the, the, ne the next offensive mind. So I, I agree with you. I think the profile you're probably going to look at maybe a college coach or a younger offensive coach and doesn't have to be a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. So I'm going to let you go on this. Um, I think we should give some love to Doug Pearson. He – he was been here for five years. Did you cover him for all five years here in Philadelphia? I did. I did. Okay. So um, what do you think Doug Peterson's main, I guess, legacy will be here in Philadelphia? And if you do, I don't know if you have a story or, or just a nugget on Doug, but what do you what do you take away from the five years covering him? And do you have like a funny story? Or what did you take away just in general from Doug Peterson as a head coach in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean uh... – I, I, I covered all five years. I was, I was frankly, I was there in, in, in New England when Kansas City lost their postseason game to them and the Eagles were set to hire the next day. And I remember uh, going to interview Doug uh, or trying to interview Doug. He wouldn't do an interview then. He said, you know, I'll, I'll see you this week. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but, but uh, uh, his, his, his legacy, I don't want to be like simplistic about it, but, you know, Calling Philly, Philly, you know, uh, a Philly special at the goal line on a fourth down in the Super Bowl. Um, not a lot of people would uh, do that. And I, I, I think that speaks to who he was as, as a coach. He wasn't um, blinded by fear or uh, averse of uh, averse of risk. He was willing to take chances there. 
I I look at him as someone who was who learned on the job. Um, in terms of personality, uh, he had a, a great like one of the guys element to him. Um, he never tried to be the smartest guy in the room, right? Um, and mm-hmm. and frankly, I I don't think that's that a description that he ever wanted. Um, he took such pride in his locker room. He took such pride in the people that, or had such loyalty to his coaching staff. And uh, that's, that's what really sticks out to me about Doug um, is, is the way he felt about his locker room, about the players. Um, like there's, there's a part of Doug, I think that, that will always be the backup quarterback, right. You know, mm-hmm. that, 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 that wants to be sitting in his, in his, in his locker with the guys. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's a, uh, a lot of who he was. And, uh, you know, I, it, there's a lot of stories from over the years. Um, I can remember, uh, you know, one thing that jumped out to me was, uh, was I did a story 2019 season, uh, when the Eagles were going back to green Bay on, um, on Doug's time hosting a radio show when he was with the Packers, right. He was a backup quarterback Ooh. who had his own radio show. <laughs> right and on. I asked him what he remembered from it. And the first thing he said was, Oh, there were, it's a, uh, a free limo ride, Lenny the limo driver. I think, I think <laughs> that name was, and it just it 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 was like a very human moment. That here you got this guy who uh, who is a Super Bowl winning coach who who's you know been who's accomplished things and been places that few in the world you know could imagine. And mm-hmm. um and you ask him what he remembers and it was the free limo ride that he had right <laughs> you know like I think that that's like a very human reaction yeah that really stood out to me so uh, I, I I would say that yeah um I I I was actually a little torn when when they let him go I thought I'd be a little more happy and kind of looking forward to the future but look the grass isn't always greener on the other side right Doug Peterson. Um, made the playoffs uh, three of his five years here. He won the Super Bowl. So I think Eagles fans should just maybe give him a little more love than they, they have been showing. Anyway, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Before you go, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your work and where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, go to The Athletic, theathletic.com. I, 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 uh, Bo Wolf and I are the Eagles writers. And then Shio Kapadia uh, is, is a national writer who also does considerable Eagles uh, work for us. And I'm very proud of our coverage. So if you don't subscribe, uh, go today. You can if if you even Google Zach Berman the Athletic and click on one of my articles, there will be a link there for you to subscribe. Um, and then uh, the Birds with Friends podcast, um, which I, I do with uh, Bo and Shield. And you can find me on Twitter at Zberm Z B E R N. Awesome! Thanks so much for doing this, Zach. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Twenty Two Bet. Twenty Two Bet is your one stop shop for all your sports betting. Download the 22Bet app today and enjoy its easy-to-use interface. The app is fast and reliable and completely intuitive. The sign-up process is short and the sign-up process is remarkably quick. There are lots of products including slots and live casino betting. Mark your favorites for quicker access to your preferred sports leagues and teams. 22Bet has a huge selection of payment methods as well as options for cryptocurrencies. And transactions are fast and no additional fees apply. Take advantage of your 100% welcome bonus for your first-time deposit. 22Bet has some of the highest odds on all the sports you're interested in, along with excellent coverage of sporting events, including local leagues. Terms and conditions apply. Please click the link in our podcast description to get started. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.